This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Welcome all of you that are watching online tonight. Glad you can be with us. Hope you got a Bible there someplace. Get it out. Hallelujah. Blow the dust off of it. Get that thing out there so we can use it. Glory to God. Doesn't do any good sitting on a coffee table. But it sure enough will bless you and help you if you got it on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Y'all glad to be here tonight? Hey, it's warming up. How many of you know warming up's better? You say, well, it's not warm enough. Well, stop your whining, man. It was 11 degrees last night in this part of the country. So uh, let's get happy, shall we? 56 for a high tomorrow. Yeah, amen. Wind's going to blow about 900 mile an hour, but hey, you know, just take it, take it as it comes. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It's been our text that we've been taking here for, actually, for about the last eight weeks. Now, I think, Pastor, did you uh, preach last Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't watch. Huh? What's that? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to listen to that. Praise God. Well, anyway, for those sessions that I've had the privilege of being able to share with you, we've been talking about the subject of faith, what it is, how it operates, and how important it is for us as believers, glory to God, to understand the function of faith where our lives are concerned. You know, so many times we become disheartened because we see the misuse of the word faith. Maybe we don't understand it or somebody has tried to make an application and that didn't work out so good. And so then all of a sudden we're kind of wondering what the heck's going on here. Well, listen, thank God there is what is called the Bible. And there is a biblical way to understand the subject of faith and to function in it. Because after all, we're his children and he wants us to know. Everybody say he wants me to know. Yeah, he wants you to know. Hallelujah. So let's pray together. We'll get into what I want to share with you this evening. I believe you'll be blessed. Glory to God. Father, once again, it's our privilege and with reverence and humility, Father, we approach your living word. Its entrance into our lives gives light. It illuminates us. It helps us to understand your ways. And so, Father God, I thank you that for these brief few moments we have together, that seed will be sown, that illumination and revelation will be granted unto each and every one of us to better understand our relationship with you and how it is to function. And so we just thank you, Father, for your blessing in this house tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Notice with me again our text, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Drop down to verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, or that he exists, and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Yeah, hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? He is a reward. How many of you know tonight that the Bible's true? And that God's on your side. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not doing bad things to try to teach you something. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been who he is. Hallelujah. And so, of course, from the Bible is where we learn the will of God. We also learn the nature of God. We understand the character of God. And we also come to learn and and know or understand the plan of God. How many of you know that God has a plan for you? He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Aren't you glad for that? You know, a lot of Bible theology and doctrine, it's not really Bible theology, it's just the doctrine of men. It, it doesn't teach that. It teaches that God, does, you know, that he's doing all these things to people and, and nothing could be further from the truth because God loves us. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave or offered his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So a lot of times these things can be misconstrued when it comes to understanding who God really is and that's why I'm so thankful for the Bible. I tell you what, I was probably, I was pretty screwed up before I got saved. How many of you were too? You know, you know did, we didn't even know straight up from Sikkim, man. I mean, you know, we just, you know, doing what we're told and maybe never even checked it out to see whether or not it's true. And, you know, somebody stands in a position of authority and says, well, this is the way it is. And we just kind of say, well, yeah, okay, that must be it. 
Well, it's not always right. So that's why you and I can thank God for the Bible tonight. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you've got to do your own digging. Yeah, you sure do. Because the reality is, is my wife might get a revelation of the Word of God where her life is concerned, but it's not going to do me any personal good unless I come to know it myself. Now, I might be able to write on her faith for a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the day, I got I to come to know and understand and have this relationship personally myself with Him so that I can know, praise God, His, <coughs> excuse me, his desires and His wishes. Hallelujah. So as we pass quickly in review, we talked about the fact that growing in faith is a process and that it's based upon relationship. Everybody say relationship. You know, we use the analogy. I mean, when you, when you grow to know someone, when you're spending time with them all the time, I mean, you know all the nuances and everything about them, their personalities, how they think, all these different kinds of things. So that, you know, if someone were to ask you, well, do you know this person? You say, well, I know them quite intimately. I know them very well. And, you know, they would be able to describe uh, the person, you know, with some, or I mean, with real accuracy and things. Well, God wants to have a relationship like that with us. But we have to come to know him. Hallelujah. He knows us. We need to know him. And so the only way that can happen is, is if we develop the relationship that we, we have with him. Because, you know, when we look at the word of God, we're asked to have faith in someone. And that someone is our heavenly father. The Bible says, have faith in who? God. Amen. Well, again, you can't have faith in him if you don't know him. And thank God he's opened up the word of God. Not only that, he's given new life and rebirth to us, recreated our spirits, sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He's given us everything we need. Thank God we can know him intimately. We can walk in the light of the word of God. We can be blessed coming in and going out. So the number one way that you and I are going to build our relationship with God is through the word. It's the Bible or the Word of God where He is revealed. It's a self-disclosure of God Himself. And so whatever you find in the Word of God as He speaks, whatever it is He says, that's the will of God. Hallelujah. The last will and testament, you know, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith begins where the, world, uh, the will of God is known. You can't have faith if you don't know what His will is. Are you with me? Now, again, I can only speak of my own experience, but when I first got saved, I didn't know anything about God. So I didn't have a whole lot of faith. I had saving faith. I finally came to the place of realizing I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and that if I were to repent and ask God to come into my life and be the Lord of my life, that he would change it from the inside out, and he did that. But even at that, I didn't know a whole lot. You know, I didn't know really much about, well, I didn't know anything about the will of God necessarily for my life until I started reading the Bible. And then all of a sudden, lots and lots and lots of new things came into my life. So again, faith begins where the will of God is known, but you have to know it. It might be in the realm of healing. It might be where your economic circumstances and situations are. It might be from a relational standpoint, how we, we connect and relate to other people, so on and so forth. But it's all in here. How we need to parent, what it is that he would, you know, how he would guide us in the, in the aspects and principles of parenting and so on and so forth. Whatever it is where life is concerned, there are answers in this. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? We talked about the fact that the word is where the Word of God is where God is known. Okay, I've said that before, but saying it a little bit different, you know, again, His nature, who He is, His plans for us. Now, I want you to notice with me back there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Notice again with me what it says here. It says that, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hope for. One translation says that faith is giving substance. One translation says it is the grounds or the confidence of what we hope for, and faith serves as the evidence of what we do not see. 
So how's that work where our lives are concerned? I'll give you a natural example, and then I'll give you another biblical one in here in just a moment. But first of all, in the natural, you know, um, we understand that there is a seed time and harvest. God promised, he says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be cold and heat and winter and summer, seed time and harvest. And what we come to learn or discover in that process is that planting seed in a certain way, we're talking about it in the natural, but planting seed in a certain way in the right conditions with proper watering and fertilizer, it's going to produce a crop that we can benefit from. My wife and I, we planted a garden last year. She said, that's your garden, not mine. Although she got into a lot of it when it came to the whole canning part of it. But, you know, uh, we went and we bought a, bought a bunch of seeds and plants and different things like that. Because we knew that in a few months we were going to end up with a production of those seeds that we planted. Now, we didn't have the production of those plants at the time when we put them in the ground. But we believed and actually knew, of course, with confidence, it was our ground that we were, you know, standing on. That if we did these things and we properly cared for them and we watered it and all of that, we were going to get a crop. So now when the snowballs are flying and it's cold, we go down to the basement and we get our apple butter and we get our raspberry jam and we get our sweet pickles and we get all that stuff. But I can tell you this much about it. If we hadn't have done all of that in the spring of last year, we wouldn't be doing that today. And see, that's the thing you have to understand about faith. It doesn't happen immediately. But I tell you what, in the process of time, as we act on the word of God, it will surely come to pass. So when you think about it in that context, you know, again, if I believe that to be true, confident of what I don't see, but you know, I will go, I will plant, I will care for, I will tend to the seed for a desired result. Hallelujah. But if you don't do anything, everybody say do. You know, and that's the mistaken idea people have about their relationship with God, that there isn't much that I have to do because after all, he's God. He's just going to, that is, I mean, again, nothing further from the truth. Hallelujah. There is a Godward side and a manward side to the relationship that we have with him. Can you say amen? Now, let me give you another example uh, uh, from a a biblical standpoint. Turn to... uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 in the Old Testament. We'll take a look at that. Hallelujah. I'm so glad right now that we get to enjoy the fruit of our labor. Glory to God. Amen. Matter of fact, maybe we can go home and have some of them sweet pickles. Hmm? Hallelujah. They are yummy, crisp. Hmm. I bet you wish you had one. How many of you like sweet pickles? You can't have any of mine. Well, anyway. All right. So did you find Deuteronomy 28? Now, let me make this statement before we read this. And that is that there are conditions. Everybody say conditions. There are conditions that must be met in order for the manifestation to be uh, of the promise to be brought about in your life. There are certain conditions that you and I need to meet if I want to enjoy God's best. Notice what it says here, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Notice it says, and it shall come to pass. Didn't say that it would happen immediately. Did you hear me? I'm going to do something. Why? Because I believe the Bible. I believe what God said. And he said, it shall come to pass. How many of you know God keeps his word? He said, it shall come to pass if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Now, what's that next word? What? If. If. You hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Let's go ahead and read this because it's so good we're here anyway. We might as well hear the blessing. Amen. Verse 3. Notice what it said. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. That just means wherever you're at, you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting because in the prior verse, it says this, you know, it'll come on you and overtake you. 
In, in the English Standard Version, or actually the Hebrew translation, it says, the blessings will suddenly come upon you and chase you down and take you hostage. Hallelujah. How many of you like that idea? So again, in verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep, blessed shall be your basket and your storehouse. Hallelujah. How many of you know you can have a savings account and get it blessed? Huh? Amen. When I first got saved, we didn't have uh, savings accounts. We didn't need to because Jesus was coming in 1988. Well, guess what? 1988 is way gone, and he ain't come yet. Are you listening to me? The Bible says that you and I are to occupy until he comes. So you should have storehouses, uh, places where you're stuffing stuff, you know, like a squirrel, man. We got these squirrels. My wife, she won't let me shoot them. So we've got like, I mean, a gazillion of them. And man, they're in our front yard and they're, you know, in the fall of the year when all the walnuts come down, man, they're, they're digging, burying, you know, all this stuff, you know. Well, then come wintertime, here they come. They come up to her little uh, bird water, you know, and get themselves a good drink. Then they go out in there, you know, and they're sniffing around. I don't know how they find them, but man, they'll dig down in the snow and voila, here comes this walnut. And then they go prancing off, you know, and have breakfast. Are you with me? You know, so there's a place for us to store, or at least we need to find a place to store our stuff so that we can come back and enjoy it later. Can you say amen? So notice it goes on then to say in verse uh, 6, Blessed shall you be when you come in, blessed shalt thou be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against you one way, flee before you seven. The Lord will command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that you set your hands to. Everything that you undertake. Hallelujah. And he will bless thee in the land which the Lord God gives thee. The Lord will establish you a holy people to himself as he swore uh, unto thee. And if you will keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they'll be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, and the fruit of your body, the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground, the fruit of the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give him. Verse 12 The Lord shall open unto you his good treasures the heavens to give the rain unto thy land in its season, his season, and to bless all the work of your hand, and thou shalt lend to many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if, qualification, thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. Isn't that powerful? Hallelujah. So, let's ask ourselves a question tonight. What are the conditions that must be met in order for us to experience all these verses we just got done reading? Well, the answer to that is found in verse 1. He said, if we will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, now notice it goes on to say, to observe and to do all his commandments. In other words, we've got to keep the word. Can you say amen? Now, you know, if you were doing that on your own, that might be a challenge, but thank God we're born of the Spirit. His Spirit lives in us, so we are capable he has given us everything that we need to be able to obey God. Hallelujah. And when we obey God, he said, it will come to pass. How many of you believe that? Now, again, it's not something that's going to happen immediately, but it's going to happen. So, in thinking about that, New Testament terms, Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 33, 4 and 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you. All right, so again, before we read the scripture, understand that the way to get the bless in your life is to do these verses. Practice them. Observe them. So he said here, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another 
And Pastor Brian had a terrific message on Sunday about what love means. Love finds its expression in giving. It's sacrificial. Hallelujah. It's not putting you first. It's putting the other person first. Come on now. Don't shout me down now just because I'm talking. Hallelujah. This is where the blessing of God is. You want to be blessed? Then you got to do. Amen. So he said, you shall love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another, and by this all men shall know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. And remember that this was in the context of when he washed the disciples' feet. He said, you call me master and you call me Lord, and that's true, you know, but if I, your master and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. That can be a pretty humbling kind of thing, huh? Are you listening to me? But I'm telling you that if you want the blessing of God in your life, you have to do life God's way. I didn't make the rules, but I can tell you one thing about it. If you do it, you'll get blessed. Are you listening to me? I'm not sure how to take you tonight. It's pretty quiet. I assume you're just probably listening real good. Amen? It has to be understood, you guys. We talk about faith, you know, and people want to have great faith, and they want God's blessing in their life. But it has to be understood that the manifestation of what it is that has been promised is not going to come immediately. And a lot of people, they do. They cast away their confidence. You know, if it doesn't happen right away, they say, well, you know, that faith stuff don't work. Well, it does work. It absolutely works. Hallelujah. And I've seen it in so many people's lives where they've been transformed and changed. But that's why the scriptures encourage us not to cast. Why would you have reason or occasion to cast away your confidence? Because it doesn't seem like it's working. Huh? You know, when the Bible says husbands love your wives and you're going, hey, this ain't working. And wives, you know, you know, defer or show respect or, you know, however you want to say it, you know. And, and the, the wife's going, ah, he ain't changing one iota. Buying the right house? What do you want to do at that moment? You want to cast away your confidence. This stuff don't work. Well, it does work. Hallelujah. Now, of course, there's a lot of other aspects to that whole scenario that I'm talking about. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have to decide what we're going to do. What are you going to do? You're going to believe the Bible? You're going to do what it is he told you to do in spite of what other people do or don't do? Come on now. You know, it's important for us to understand that. But again, he said, don't cast away your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. You have need of endurance, then after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After. Everybody say after. So we just have to make a determination, man. I'm going to obey God. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to follow the word of God. I mean, if everybody else drives off the cliff, I'm still going to obey God. Because that's where the blessing is. Can you say amen? So it's important for us to understand that. And, 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 and here's the thing. We learn to live by a conviction. I don't do it because people are watching. I don't do it because, you know, I think somebody will, you know, they'll, they'll pat me on the back and say I want it. No, I'm doing it because I love him and I want a relationship with him and I want to please him. So regardless of what other people think about it, you know, people, they call you fanatics. You know, you're going to church all the time. You don't have to go to church all the time. I don't have to do anything. I get to. Are you listening to me? You know, people are abandoning the church house right and left. Well, I'm okay. You know, I'm this, I'm that. Well, you might be okay, but I can tell you this much. You're not in right relationship with God in the context of the Bible. The Bible says don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. So how's that work where your life is concerned, where you pick and choose and got a little cafeteria style thing going on? Huh? Okay, anyway, moving right along. Y'all still glad you came? So we learn to live by a conviction. We learn to live by a lifestyle based upon what it is that we've learned that pleases our Father. And And you know, at the end of the day, you guys, it becomes an issue of character your character, and who it is that you're serving. It's just like Joseph, when Potiphar's wife propositioned him, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
He wasn't talking about sinning against her. He wasn't just talking about sinning against Potiphar as his master. He said, how can I do this and sin against God? Are you listening to me? So why do you do what you do? You do it because you have learned that this is what is pleasing to him and that's what you're going to follow. Are you listening to me? Now, when my wife and I first got saved, a lot, again, a lot of things we didn't know, but we made it our determined purpose that we were going to be followers of Christ and that we were going to do what it is he wanted us to do. And, and I got to tell you right then, it was not that popular. I don't know that it's that popular right now. But yet, right on the other hand, don't let that deter you. Hallelujah. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You shouldn't be either. Amen. If you're a child of the living God, you know, let the redeemed of the Lord. What was that we sang? Say so. Say so. Now, again, it may not, again, be the most popular thing. But I tell you what, at the end of the day, you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. Glory to God forevermore. Amen. In other words, you'll come out on the top side of that issue. But again, it's a character thing. You know, um, in a relationship, a married relationship, I have to do what it is I'm to do in that relationship because of what God has asked me to do. If I'm going to be successful, then I got to do what he told me to do. Not because she performs good, bad, ugly, or whatever the case might be. You do it as a matter of character. This is the right thing to do, to not render evil for evil, to not come back, you know, with some snide remark so that you can try to have the upper hand in a, in a tense conversation. The Bible says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. In other words, you just say, I'm not fighting about this. And they get madder because that's what they want to do. Am I in the right house? Since we're talking about all these matters, might as well just get after it. Hallelujah. See, you want to win in life? Do you want to win? Yeah, I want to win. Then this is what you have to do. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to eat crow. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to say, man, I was wrong. You know, that's not a bad thing. And I don't know how come me to get off on all this, but it's good anyway. Praise God. You know, the Bible says that we're to live peaceably with all men. And sometimes you need to make an admission that maybe you ain't quite got it right. Huh? To them. You know, some of these guys, I mean, I've talked to them before, you know, and they say, well, you know, yeah, I probably didn't quite have it right or whatever. Well, have you told them? Um, no, I don't know if I want to do that. Duh. You want there to be restoration in your relationship, then do it. Yeah, but that means I'm going to have to humble myself. Yep. Huh? I'm going to have to say that I was wrong. Yep. You know? Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. Okay, we're talking about how faith works. We're talking about, you know, having the best of life that God has to offer, and this is the way it works. Amen. You know, it's, uh, there are certain luxuries that are way too expensive for you to uh, uh, let yourself hang on to. Does that make sense to you? And so it's important that we understand those things. Praise God. So you just get down to this point where you say, I've discovered what the Bible has to say, and this is the way I have decided how to live, and I don't care what anybody else thinks, okay? Are you with me? <clears throat> okay, good. Hallelujah. You know, I, I thought about this. I was trying to think of another example that has worked. You know, now for some over 40 years, you know, we've been in the ministry, and we've, we've gone through quite a few fun times. Actually, they weren't fun at all. Matter of fact, they stunk, okay? Because the, the fact of the matter is, is that in your life, there's always going to be what I call barking dogs, you ever been someplace? I remember we went down to Guatemala and we were staying in this, I guess it was a hotel. Was it a hotel? Motel, whatever it was. And they had armed guards at the gate. You know, the gate closed at night, you know, and then they had armed guards that stayed there, you know, just to make sure everything stayed put, I guess, including us. Well, my son Brian, <laughs> he was on the other side, uh, on the back side of this in a room, and just on the other side of the wall, I don't know what it was, but they had chickens and they had a rooster. 
And this rooster, well, you can ask him about it. It was hilarious because, you know, we're on this side. It wasn't so bad, but I mean, and I mean, he wasn't doing that just once or twice. It was constant. And, you know, if you'd had a gun, you'd have wanted to shoot it. Are you listening to me? Well, the same thing's true with a barking dog. You know, they just won't, you know, they won't stop. And, and that's what I think sometimes, you know, with people, you know, they got something that they're not, they're upset, you know, about this or that or the other, and they want to tell you what they think about it. Sometimes I don't want to hear what you have to think about, but they're going to tell you anyway. Huh? And, you know, if you're not careful, you can end up being offended. Huh? Sure enough. Well, it's in those moments that you just have to be bigger and better than them and refuse to get down on their deal. And we've done that for 40 years because people, you know, they'll always come against you about this. You have a choice, you guys, when it comes to these situations. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And so it becomes important because the reality is, is that, you know, sometimes people out on the peripherals, you know, they'll, they'll criticize or they'll do whatever where your life is concerned. But then there are those that are pretty close to you and then they criticize. And guess what? You know, that can cut pretty deep, can it? I said it sure can. But even in that, you still have to decide. I think about Jesus all the time. I mean, everybody was after him. And these weren't just barking dogs, dude. These were dogs that wanted to tear him apart. Are you listening to me? Which may be your case. You know, I don't know. But I'm just telling you this much. He said and he promised that he would make you the head, not the tail. That you'd be above only and not beneath. If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. Are you listening to me? So we're just going to take the high ground. This is what faith is. Why am I doing that? Because I believe what he said. But I, I disqualify myself if I get down in their mess. And I choose not to do that. I'm not going to harbor ill will. I'm not going to be unforgiving. I'm not going to hang on to the offense. I refuse to allow resentment or envy or anything else find a place within my heart. Why? Because I want to be blessed. And I can't be blessed doing that. Are you with me? You know, there's some people, you know, I'm talking about Christians, you know, that they think they can just do whatever it is that they want. I call it greasy grace. I can go out here and sleep with some woman, you know, or violate this person or whatever, you know, and God will forgive me. You better be careful about what it is that you're thinking. Because if you don't find a place of repentance, then that is unacceptable. Are you with me? No, we have, we're to live righteously. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, in that verse that we read there in Deuteronomy 28, notice what it says here. Uh, uh, let me find it. Uh, hmm. Well, it says, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. Well, there ought to be some evidence that convicts you of being a Christian or a child of God. Can you say amen? And here's again the thing, you know, when I, when I make these statements, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody or anything by them. I'm saying, praise God, you can do this because he lives on the inside of you and you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you can say, no, man, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what faith is. Why? Because we believe that if we do this, that it is going to come to pass. Now, not everybody's going to ride the train. But the reality is, you have a choice. You can get on it, and you can go, and God will bless your life immeasurably. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand that. And uh, if you do, you'll get blessed. Now, let's turn to... Um, uh, Mark chapter 11. Let's go back there one more time. Let's talk about something here I want to get uh, uh, carved out before we have to close tonight. Mark chapter 11. Kind of pick up where we talk, We were talking about some of this two weeks ago uh, while I was here. But uh, notice with me again... Um, I'm going to preface this by just saying that, you know, Jesus for about three days was going back and forth. He was staying in Bethany, but he would come into Jerusalem and preach all day. And then he'd go to Bethany because everybody was seeking to kill him. And so they were going back and forth on one occasion. He went to a tree 
to, to find figs on it if perhaps there were any, and there weren't none. There weren't none. There were none. And so, thanks, honey. Um, anyway, she, she makes everything go right. But anyway, um, he said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and the disciples heard it. So let's pick it up in verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter calling to remember and said to the master, he said to him, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God, or have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Notice with me again in verse 23, it says, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, the reason I want to bring this to your attention tonight is, is I want to talk about what place confession has. You know, we hear a lot about it when it comes to our faith and just kind of try to unwrap the mystery and confusion maybe of that, that whole thing. One thing, number one, that we need to realize is, is that our faith is released by word and action. What we say, what we do. It's not only released, but it's revealed that way. You know, James said, you know, people are saying they got all kind of faith. I tell you what, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Are you with me? So word and action. And faith doesn't work without you speaking it. Y'all agree with that? But you can't speak it if it's not first within your heart. And that is an important key to what it is that we're talking about. The Bible says, you know, um, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, um, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, I'll give you a great example. You know, people were telling me I needed to get saved, and I, I knew it. But I didn't want to give my heart to Jesus. I didn't want to give up my life to him, but that was the condition. It wasn't until I got enough of the word on the inside of me that I realized that's the only option. I'm going to have to surrender if I want to be saved. And I decided I want to get saved. So in my heart, I gave him all of it. And he knew, you know, before, I mean, I'd walk the aisle, I'd come down here, you know, and all that. Just because you walk the aisle, that don't mean squat. Are you listening to me? It's what goes on in here. And God, that's where God's looking. Are you with me? So, so when, I, when I was driving home, matter of fact, I just stopped up there on my motorcycle this last weekend. You know, I got an altar up there. It's on a gravel road. You can't see it, but it's there. And uh, I just stopped and I just said, Father, you changed my life here a long time ago. And I just rejoiced and I honored God and I just glorified him for what it is that he did. Because I knew at that point in that place two miles north of BB Town, I gave my heart to Jesus. Amen. And it wasn't something that somebody was trying to convince me I should do or coerce me into doing or anything. I did it. Hallelujah. And that brings about change. Glory to God. So, you know, you can't speak it if you don't first have it within your heart. And of course, I found that place. And I made this statement before. Actions don't create faith. They are the result of it. And a lot of people, they, they get mistaken. They think, well, if I do this, then that means, you know, that I have faith. Well, not necessarily. You know, if you heard uh, brother so-and-so or sister whoever, you know, that's doing this or that or the other, you say, well, I'm going to do that. Well, if you don't have faith, it ain't going to work. Does that make sense to you? Well, the same thing's true that there is a sense in which confession doesn't create faith, but rather it's the result of faith. Now, I will say that if you hear yourself speaking the word of God, that it will bless you. But yet, on the other hand, there are a lot of people, you know, that have the mistake. They, they think it's almost mechanical. Well, you know, if I say it enough, then it'll come to pass. I can tell you right now, you can wear yourself out. And it, if you don't have it in your heart, it ain't going to happen. Am I in the right house? 
We're talking about real, genuine, biblical faith. But I tell you this much about it, when you do have it in your heart and you speak it out your mouth, change is coming. Are you with me? When Jesus heard about Lazarus, you know, being sick nigh unto death, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And he raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. So does that make sense to you? Hopefully that doesn't confuse you in any way because that's not my intent. Hallelujah. So you just can't, again, people will say, well, if you just say it enough, you know, it'll come to pass. It's, it's not mechanical. It's not mind over matter. It's not whatever. I think Christian science probably leans toward that kind of thinking, but whatever. So if we don't have faith within our heart, no amount of saying it is going to change the outcome. Um, here's another one. Someone or a person has a negative comment about themselves, you know, and you say, well, don't say that. Am I in the right house? Well, it doesn't really matter, dude. The cat's already out of the bag. In other words, that's what they believe. And so that's what they say. Am I in the right house? Now, probably what we should do is maybe coach them a little bit and get the Word of God on the inside of them so that they don't talk that way. You know, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But do you know how many Christians condemn themselves? Well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I can't do this, I can't do that, you know, I guess I'll never heard this. Where you, where, where'd that come from? It didn't come from the Bible. It may have come from the adversary of our soul. The Bible says that you're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. Hallelujah. Well, if you're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, listen, God don't make no junk. So we got to change, and, and here's my point to all of this, and that is simply saying that, you know, saying this, the imagery within is what has to change. Because I tell you what, if you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, you won't talk like that. Amen? You'll say, you know what? God's going to make a way. God's on my side. He's for me. And I, th I think that if God's for me, who can be against me? Does that make sense to you? So in other words, instead of us, you know, beating people up about what they say. Now, I, I'm all for, you know, um, checking somebody, you know, when they're talking negatively about themselves or whatever. But we need to do it in a an appropriate kind of way. Does that make sense? You know, for example, well, let's see, how can I say that? Um, you know, you might run into, you have an occasion, you know, and you're listening to someone talk. How many of you know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? And so you're listening to them and you're saying, oh man, they, 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 don't, they don't get this. You know, because they're saying everything disparagingly about what God isn't doing and all these things. Now, here's the truth about it. That's where they are. And that's what they think and that's what they believe. So what I got to do is I have to move them or change the imagery on the inside of them for them to understand, listen, I'm telling you, he said that if you would not cast away your confidence, that praise God and, and exercise endurance or patience, you'll get the promise. You just have to do the will of God. Does that make sense to you? You know, and so, so if, I, if I got a stinky attitude, the best way for me to change it is in here and to see what it is that God has to say and start saying what he says. Are you with me? Then it may even sound somewhat foreign to you when you start, you know, but on the other hand, praise God, if you'll do it, then you'll get blessed and it's almost eight o'clock. Hallelujah. So the imagery within us has to be changed. And only the saturation of the Word of God can do that. It talks about the washing of the water of the Word. Are you with me? Again, I'll relate my own experience or our experience. You know, when we found out that God wanted to bless us, that He wanted us to prosper and be in health as our soul prospers, I mean, we came against all I mean, there was all kinds of resistance that came our way. Well, no, you know, you're just that name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, you know, and all that prosperity stuff. <laughs> Well, no, that's what the Bible says. Isn't that right? He said he'd make us the head, not the tail, that we'd be above only, that we'd be blessed. Our, our cattle and everything else would be blessed. Well, if that's what he said, he said, if you'll diligently follow me, this is what I'm going to do for you. Well, listen, friends, I'm in that line. 
Why? Because that's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me. So, you know, you had to, we had to fight for it because people didn't want to believe what it is that the Bible has to say. So again, faith begins where the will of God is known. But again, <clears throat> unfortunately, a lot of Christians are unaware that they're redeemed. And they don't even know what they're redeemed from. Huh? In Galatians 3 and 13, the Bible says, now listen, this is what the Bible says. Christ has redeemed us. Not going to. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. He was made a curse. He went to that cross and the curse fell on him. Why? So that the blessing, everybody say blessing. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we are heirs according to that promise. But I'm redeemed. I'm not going to be redeemed. I am redeemed. Now the question is, what am I redeemed from? Well, you could go back there to Deuteronomy 28, read the rest of the chapter, and that's the curse which Jesus redeemed us from. Aren't you glad for that? But here's another thought while I'm talking about it. First of all, you got to learn and understand and believe that you've been redeemed. I don't care what's going on in my life. You know, when I started out there, I didn't have nothing. <clears throat> and I, was on the, I wasn't on the bottom of the barrel. The barrel was on top of me. But I began to learn what the Word of God had to say. And I said, you know what? I'm having me some of that. And you know, a lot of times people, they'll, they, they recoil at the idea of what it is that God wants to do in their life. And I'm telling you, my friends, praise God, don't apologize for what God wants to do in your life. Can, you, can I get a witness? He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can even ask or think according to the power of God that works within you. So, you know, you got to know what you, you know that you are redeemed and then you got to know what you're redeemed from. So how does that play out in our lives? Well, let's just say, for example, the Bible makes it clear that you and I are redeemed from poverty and lack. So I have to not only know I'm redeemed from poverty and lack, but I have to resist. Everybody say resist. I have to resist the temptation to think that I will never get out from underneath the barrel, that I will never be on top. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm telling you, God has put stuff on the inside of you. He's given you skills, abilities, giftings, all kind of stuff that he wants to unwrap where your life is concerned and make it profitable, make it something that has a, a tangible kind of, you know, um, profit as a result thereof. But a lot of times people say, well, you know, I don't know nothing. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, you know what? You sure can learn. Yes, you can. Your life can be different, you know, but it, it starts with believing what he said. So the first thing you say is, is Father, I just read in, my, in your word that I am redeemed from the curse of the law. So Father, I just want to say, I don't know, I'm sure what that means, but I'm just thanking you for it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to learn what it means to be redeemed from the curse of poverty. You know, people, they live their lives in a very sorry, a kind of sad, sour even resentful kind of way, and they go through their whole lives, and they never come to realize that Jesus redeemed them from that so that they can have joy and peace and happiness and blessing in their life, and they just keep believing the lie. Are you listening to me? Instead of saying, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I resist the temptation of the enemy of my soul to succumb to this kind of thinking. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You know, when we talk about, you know, the Bible says that Christ always, God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we preach a message of victory. We preach a message of abundance. We do, you know, we, we preach the Bible. Hallelujah. And of course, when you do that, people, they ain't going to like it. But you know what? I don't care. I'm just happy to know glory to God that Jesus redeemed me. But here's, again, my point, and I'm going to close. You have to resist what contradicts 
the word of God. You know, the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And, and uh, so we have something to do. We have something to say. We have, you know, a part to play when it comes to these kinds of things where our life is concerned. So you have to learn to resist uh, circumstances contrary to the known will of God. Hallelujah. You know, you got to be like the four lepers that were sitting outside the city. They said, man, what are we doing sitting here until we die? Let's go into the city. Let's do something. Hallelujah. Well, they went in there, found out there was all kinds of goodies and all kinds of things that were available to them. I think that's the truth a lot of times in people's lives too. Hallelujah. So it's important. Glory to God. The Bible's filled with stories of people resisting the circumstances that came their way, and you have to do it as well. Hallelujah. And I wish I had more time to unpack this, but... um, I don't. Amen. Don't make the mistaken idea, you guys. Well, you know, the Bible says that Christ redeemed me. You know, pastor just got up Wednesday night and said that Christ redeemed me. So I'm redeemed. And, you know, Christ has promised this and that and the other. So I don't really have to do anything. He said he would do it. Wrong, man. He's done it. Now you've got to walk in the light of it. Are you with me? Amen. In other words, you say, well, what's that look like? Well, you just say, well, you know, I've made the decision that God has done some marvelous things for me in my life, and I refuse to be a slave to poverty. I refuse. Now, you know, there are a lot of dynamics that go along with that. How many of you know you got to work? There's other principles that apply. But I'm not going to be a slave to poverty because Christ redeemed me. Therefore, I'm going to do. Everybody say do. I'm going to do what I need to do. Amen. Sometimes you've got to hustle in life. Hallelujah. I know that's not always a popular kind of thing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I need to do to see the promise or the fact of what he said fulfilled in my life. Hallelujah. Marriage is a great example. You want a better marriage? You can have a better marriage. You can have heaven on earth. But people say, you want a be- if I ask anybody, do you want a better marriage? Oh, yeah. I'm in. Well, are you willing to do what makes that possible? Uh-huh. I'm waiting on them. Well, God's waiting on you. Maybe they're waiting on you. You know, you can have whatever you want. He's made it possible for you to be able to enjoy it. That's what faith does. It takes and it gets its lariat out and it goes out there, man, and it puts a noose around whatever and it pulls it into your life. And that's what God wants to do. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. Thank you for tonight and for the word of God. Father God, I thank you that you're the creator of heaven and earth. You've made it possible for us to enjoy heaven's best. Glory to God. And Father God, I just thank you tonight for your blessing in every one of our lives. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Let's, let's, uh, let's make a confession of faith together this evening. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight. For your living word that promises me life and life more abundant. Thank you, Lord, for having redeemed my life from destruction and from the curse. Thank you, Lord, that your blessing will surely flow as I obey you and do your will. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Aren't you glad you love him tonight?